Lord Jesus, we lift your name high in this place this morning. We thank you that it doesn't matter if we have a full house or a full team, uh, we can still come and worship you. We can still bring a new song to you this morning, and so we just lift up the name of Jesus in this place and, and online across the region. God, we thank you that you are a good God. We thank you that we can begin our year in your presence. On this, the first Sunday of 2022, we give you glory. We set the intention of our year to follow wherever you lead. God, we just desire to know you more this year than we ever have before. And so we thank you that you're a good God who reigns, whether we are in the valley or on the mountaintop. God, we thank you. We thank you that you are here this morning and that you have a plan for this, this day and this season. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good morning. So lovely to see so many of you. When I sat down, there was a few less of you, and now I turn around, there's a few more. Why don't you uh, wave hello and have, say good morning to somebody around you. You can move out of your seat even, be brave. To our online team, we're so glad that you're here with us this morning. Uh, we love that you tune in online. So if you're in a home hub or tuning in on Facebook or YouTube, wherever you are, we're so stoked to have you with us this morning. Hey, everyone. How are you all feeling after those very, very hot days? Anybody just love it? Just really enjoy it? Yeah, me too. Anybody just like absolutely not, no way, in front of the aircon, not going outside of the house? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have found actually uh, this, this little hot stint has been the first hot stint since I became a mum and eight-month-olds, not big fans of very hot weather. So maybe... That's changing my mind a little bit. We did brave the beach with the baby, and any parent will know that the nappies were very sandy for like a couple of days after that. Just, he ate half the beach. Anyway, that's what I've been up to. Hope you've all had um, a very lovely week between Christmas and now. It's a bit of a weird week, isn't it? It's day for like eight days. Um, but it's great to be in the house this morning. We're so glad to have you here. We're glad to have you online as well. I just have a couple of quick announcements. The main thing that I always want to remind you is check in. Uh, you can do that with your QR code. Uh, but also, we love it when you check in on uh, the Church Centre app. It just lets us know that you are here, especially if you're in a home hub or you're online this morning. It lets us know that you're watching along with us um, and we can make sure we're getting the right communication about different things out to you. You can also find all the announcements there. So if you are likely to just tune out during the MC spot, that's okay. You can find all the announcements on the Church Centre app. Um, one of the great things you can find there is that we have a Baptism Sunday coming up. I actually haven't updated the date on it, but I will, and then you'll know that it's in two weeks. Uh, two weeks' time, we're going to be doing a Baptism Sunday, so that's really exciting uh, that we get to celebrate. It is not that long ago that we did a Baptism Sunday, so we're excited uh, to be ready to do that again, to have more people in our community ready to make that declaration of faith. So if you'd like to join in on that Sunday, um, there's a little connect form that you can fill out and we'd love to hear from you and get you uh, ready to be baptised in two weeks. The other uh, announcement that I need to give you this morning is summer camp is coming up. Yeah, love that enthusiasm. The 17th, we are taking uh, the young people away for summer camp. So I think we're, uh, what are we up to? Almost 30 registrations now. Brock, I reckon, is it? Yeah, it gives me the nod, about 30. So our goal was 40, so 10 to go. Uh, but, I mean, let's just go for 50. Uh, so if you're not registered yet and you're a young person who will be starting a grade 6 
this coming school year, uh, you are welcome to join us for summer camp. So it's going to be from the 17th till the 20th. We're very excited. You'll be sleeping in tents. It's a really great time. We've got the boat ready to go out with the like little biscuits and all the fun, fun stuff. Uh, great worship time, uh, great teaching time, really just great time of community. So we'd love to see you there. Uh, so you can still register. And if you'd like to support a young person in going, we are definitely still taking sponsorship. Uh, so if you would like to sponsor a young person to come to camp, uh, speak to myself or Brooke, and we can let you know how to do that. Awesome. Let me just double check that there is no other announcements. Check-in, church centre, baptism. Amazing. Got it all? You can always find it on the church centre app if you need it. Amazing. I'm going to invite you uh, to stand with us again. I'm going to pray, uh, and then Jason Kira Lee are going to lead us in a little more worship. God, we thank you that you are uh, with us this morning. We thank you that uh, as we gather, uh, your, your presence is here. And we just ask that this morning you would help us to lean into you, that you would help us to hear from you clearly this morning, that we wouldn't be um, distracted by the busyness of the season um, or worried about how hot it is or worried about what we're going to have for lunch or anything, God, that we would just be tuning in to you. Uh, that we would come to your word and be changed by it this morning. And so we just thank you for who you are and how you have loved us and all that you are doing in our community. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh Lord Jesus, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you that you are a good father. You're a loving father. You're a kind father. And God, we, uh, we take this moment just at the start of a new year just to surrender afresh to you. God, just to take this moment just to remember that you give us your grace, you give us a, a fresh start, a clean start, not just when a new year begins, but every moment, every day that we wake up, we have direct access to you. And God, I pray this morning that we might be reminded of that goodness, of that grace, of that love, of that freedom that we have to come to you, to worship you, to bow down before you. And God, we pray that this year we might be a community, a church that is more in love with you than we were last year, more surrendered to you than we were last year, more obedient than we were last year. God, that we might take steps forward and not just stay where we are. We might press in to what you have for us. We might believe that you could do even more, even greater things than we could ever comprehend, ever imagine. And so, God, we pray that you might start this morning, on this first Sunday of the new year. You might start in our own hearts. Lord, we thank you, we love you, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. Great to have you here with us. Great to have you online. For those that are online this morning, welcome to 2022. It's going to be a good year. Who's believing that 2022 is going to be a great year? Yeah, it is. It's going to be a great year and we're going to believe that God has great things in store for us as a church and for us as individuals and as families. Um, I'm really believing that it's going to be a, a great year for, for our church community. So I encourage you to pray and believe with us that that's, that's going to happen. Special welcome this morning to Pastor Steve and Jackie who are still at home in isolation um, both had COVID over the last week, and um, they are recovering and doing much better than they had, had been doing earlier in the week. Uh, and I think Ruth and Tom are there with them as well um, in the house, and so we should see them back. I think um, Steve's technically out of isolation, but he chose to, to stay home this morning, and they'll hopefully be here with us next week. 
uh, and there's two other families in our church community that have had COVID um, in the household and so they're still in isolation as well and, and everyone is doing well so continue to pray for, for all those affected um, not just in our church community <coughs> excuse me not just in our church community but in the community at large um, especially for those that are in isolation and missing you know missing Christmases and family get-togethers and holidays and, and all the things that they had planned it's thrown a, a spanner in the works for a lot of families and a lot of people Very good. So this morning, New Year, first Sunday of the month, we're going to start a new series. And this morning, we're going to start a series called Parables. It's very straightforward. Guess what it's about? Parables. That's right. And so I'm starting it off, but you're going to hear a few different people over the course of January bring different messages on different parables in the Gospels. I think um, Parables are a great way for us to, to learn uh, about the truths of who Jesus is, of who God is, and what the kingdom is like. Jesus was the ultimate preacher. He grabbed people's attention in ways that only the Son of God could ever grab it. And he did so because he used these stories. He was a storyteller. Um, he was not like um, us Baptist preachers who got up with his notes and had three points and these really nice um, sticky phrases that um, help you remember what um, you're supposed to remember. But he would just get up and say, the kingdom of heaven is like this. And then he'd go on to tell a story. And sometimes the stories would last all of three minutes. And sometimes, as the ones we're going to look at this morning, would last all of 20 seconds. And then he'd be done. And I hear you echo Brad take notes, become less Baptist, become more like Jesus. And I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm really trying. Believing this year it might, it might happen a bit more. So parables are basically or simply stories. They are not true stories in the sense that they didn't actually happen, but they are stories that Jesus told to illustrate a point. Uh, and it's important when you listen and read parables to understand the point that Jesus is trying to make uh, and the point that he's not trying to make and sometimes in a parable you might try to pull it apart too finely to um, get as much out of it as you can and, and, and if you don't have the big picture in mind or the big point in mind you can get lost and go down rabbit holes that are never supposed to go down um, but instead we're supposed to take the main point, the big idea, lean into that and then let the the details of the story emphasise and help us to, to find that main point that he's trying to tell. Often in his parables, there was one idea that Jesus was trying to convey and he used the whole story to sort of land on this idea. And this morning, the parable that we're going to look at is in Matthew chapter 13. And technically, it's two parables, but it's three verses long for two parables. So I feel like it's, it's okay, it's justified this morning and I, I hope you'll... Hang in there for the whole three verses of two parables. So it says this in Matthew 13, verses 44 to 46. It says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure. Who loves a treasure hunt? Yes. My kids love a treasure hunt. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure buried in a field that a man found and reburied. And then in his joy, he goes and sells everything he has and buys that field. Again, this is the second parable, 
the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. And when he found one priceless pearl, he went and sold everything he had and bought it. So Lord Jesus, we thank you for this parable this morning. We thank you for this truth. And we thank you that you will help us to understand, you'll help us to obey what it is that you want us to obey. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the things that we try to teach our kids, um, especially Harry as he's the oldest, but um, not so much Judah, but he's almost there, is the, the idea of like saving up or delayed gratification. You know, he, he might get 50 cents if he does a dishwasher or something like that. And he wants to save up because he's got these big ideas, grandiose ideas of buying a Nintendo Switch or a, um, a, a toy that he saw in the shops. And he says, oh, if I save up 50 cents, then I'll be able to buy it. Can I buy the Nintendo Switch yet? He doesn't have the full understanding of how many 50 cents he's going to need. Um, and so we say, well, maybe if you keep saving up, it will happen eventually. Uh, but then, of course, he has enough money and then he'll see a chocolate bar or a Kit Kat and think, I could get that now or I could keep this heavy junk in this wallet uh, and, and, and not have anything. And so, of course, being six years old, sometimes the chocolates win uh, in the battle. And so it's a lesson he'll learn. Um, well, maybe he won't. Um, it took me a long time to learn that. I remember all through high school, my kryptonite was McDonald's, and so every paycheck from my three-hour-a-week job, about 40% of it went to a Happy Meal or a cheeseburger meal each week. Anyway, um, I've s- sort of moved on from that. It's not every week now. <clears throat> at least every two. But this idea of, 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 um, of, of taking what is greater or having a, a treasure or something that is worth far more and putting our life or our investment into that is really the idea of this parable and saying no to the things that are just temporary or are worth less than what is worth the most. And the big idea of this parable, this, this morning's message is simply this. What you treasure most you follow most. What you treasure most, you follow most. Now, there's two parables here. We've read them back to back, and they say basically the same thing, but there is a subtle difference in the parables, and and the difference is not just in what... there's, There's a parable of the treasure and the parable of the pearl. I mean, that's different in and of itself, but it's still the idea that something valuable. The difference is in how it's discovered, in how it's discovered. In the first parable, we have this stumbled upon. The, the man is out in a field. He's not looking for treasure. He's not on a treasure hunt. He is maybe plowing the field. Maybe he's a farmer and he's working on someone's field. It's, again, it's a made-up story, so we shouldn't even speculate of why he's there. It's just the point is he was in a field digging for some reason, planting some plants, potostrums perhaps, whatever it was, and he discovers a treasure, not by intent, but just by chance. He hadn't set out to find it, but once he sees it, he instantly knows this is worth everything, more than what I have. So I'm going to rebury it, I'm going to go and sell everything, because this is worth everything. This is worth me selling everything for and just buying this field just for this. 
once he sees that treasure, once he experiences that treasure, it's worth giving up everything else for to secure it. This was Paul or Saul's experience in Acts chapter 9. He's on the road to Damascus and he's blinded and he discovers the beauty of Jesus. And in an instant, he wasn't looking for Jesus, he wasn't on a quest, he wasn't searching, but rather he stumbled upon in his going about the, the truth of who Jesus was. And in that moment, everything changed for him. He turned around, he changed his entire life. He was going out for persecuting Christians and wrecking churches and taking people down. And he went and he went the complete opposite direction and began building the kingdom of God and building the church that Jesus had set out to plant. He, he gave up all he had known and he risked everything to follow Jesus because of the treasure he'd found because of the treasure he'd stumbled upon. In the second parable, we see the, the, um, the, the great pearl, the, the priceless pearl. And in this story, the, the man the, is searching. He's on a quest to find pearls. He's looking for something valuable. He's looking for something. Uh, and so when he stumbles upon this priceless pearl, he goes, this is what I've been looking for. And for, for some of us, this is our story. It's this idea of we know there's something great out there. Maybe we've heard it. We've heard the, the stories. We've heard Bible growing up. Maybe we've grown, we've grown up in church and we've heard all the stories. And so we, we sort of know there's something priceless to be found. And so we search for it. And this is the eunuch story in Acts chapter 8, a chapter earlier from Paul's story. You know, there's a eunuch on the, on the road traveling with his, his chariot. I think it's Peter that comes along and sort of catches up to him and he hears the eunuch reading from Isaiah and the eunuch's reading, searching for truth, searching for something in life. He's on a quest to find truth, to find significance, to find something that is worth something. He knew there was something out there and his immediate response when he discovers the truth through Peter is, I need to, we need to stop, I need to get out, I need to be baptised this moment, I need to be baptized and I need to start following Jesus. I need to start following this truth. So the response is the same for both journeys. The one that stumbles upon and the one that searches for it, the, the response is the same. This changes everything. Once it's discovered, everything changes. And that's the point of the parables, is when you discover this pearl, as if you stumble upon it or if you search it out, it changes everything. It's worth searching for. It's worth sacrificing for because ultimately it's not a sacrifice because the, it's more valuable than anything you would ever give up. What you treasure most, you follow most. And so the cost of following in, in these stories, in these parables, is this idea of selling everything and buying something. Selling and buying. So let's think about this for a moment. Selling everything. In order to get this treasure or this pearl, it's going to take everything. It's going gonna, it's gonna to come at great cost. The cost is great, but the reward is greater. And I think what's important here is to understand that you can't hold on to the old while searching or following for the new. You can't, hold, you can't have both. 
It's not like an investment portfolio where you might go, well, I'll just keep this one and then I'll just add Jesus. I'll add the treasure onto my life because then my net worth will be greater. It's not an investment, but rather it's one or the other. It's going to take everything. It's going to take the it's going to take leaving everything else behind, selling everything to follow that which is greater. The kingdom's worth is, is greater than anything you currently possess. Its worth to you is greater than anything you currently possess. And this is why that it says um, in, in verse 44, it says, Then in his joy he goes and sells everything. Then in his joy he goes and sells everything. This reminds me of, um, of Jesus. You know that verse in Hebrews um, chapter 12, verses 1 to 2? Therefore, since we are, have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy laid before him. He endured the cross, despising its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Somehow in the midst of selling everything, or somehow in the midst of going to the cross, there is a deep joy because of what's on the other side. It's that idea of saving up to buy the Nintendo Switch, in that the pain of not having the chocolate right now for the greater reward. Because when you know what's ahead of you, when you know what's on the other side, there is a joy, there's an anticipation of what you might get. From an outsider's point of view, the transaction of selling everything to buy a field would seem ludicrous. Because no one else saw the treasure that this man saw. The man found the treasure, he buried it again, he covered it over again, goes and sells everything and buys a field... And so we're led to believe by the way that Jesus tells this parable that what he owned, that what the man's possessions were worth were far more than what the field was worth. And so from an outsider's point of view, this would seem ridiculous to sell everything and just buy an empty field. But this man, in his joy, does that because of, he knows what is uh, in that field. The difference uh, the treasure makes is everything. Fifteen minutes before stumbling across this treasure, this man was probably um, so far from thinking of selling everything he had. He probably had not even thought about selling everything. He was probably just working in the field, just getting along with his life, maybe happy, maybe not, maybe somewhat content. But discovering that treasure changed everything for him. And suddenly he's contemplating, I've got to give up everything. I've, I've got to have this. I've got to have this treasure. Fifteen minutes later, in his joy, he is selling everything. He's on the street, take this, take this. I'll take whatever you got for it. I just need to get this field and then I'm set for life. He knows something about this field now that he didn't know before. The treasure is much more valuable than all his possessions. And so there's the selling everything. When we talk about following most, we're talking about this idea of selling everything and then buying the field. The second part of following most is not just what you give up or surrender, but it's what you invest into and run towards. It's not just about selling everything, 
but it's about buying more or buying that which is most valuable. And we can sometimes think of Jesus in terms of what we have to give up. And we can sometimes think of um, the, the cost of following Jesus as, as the main thing and forget about the treasure that's in the field that we're actually running towards. Jesus is not so much interested in what we give up as what we chase after. One of the things that happens at the beginning of New Year's is a lot of New Year's resolutions. A lot of, I'm going to stop doing this, I'm going to quit smoking, I'm going to quit eating junk food, I'm going to quit alcohol, I'm going to quit sleeping in, or whatever it is. And those things are, are no good if you just replace them with more bad things. You can give up things all you like, but if you're not replacing them with something of greater value, then they are essentially, you're just swapping one bad thing for another bad thing. And so the idea of following most is not just about surrender, but it's about chasing after. It's about selling everything and buying the field. What you treasure most, you follow most. And what you treasure most is what gives you the most joy in life. But it's hard to follow most if you don't see the value in the treasure. You might be thinking, well, is the treasure that valuable? Is the priceless pearl that priceless? Maybe for that man it is, but for me, not so much. When Jesus told this parable, the first words that he says in both of them is this, the kingdom of heaven is like... The kingdom of heaven is like. So the treasure or the pearl represents the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. And when we think about a kingdom, I think about um, three things. I'm sure there's many more things that you could think of, and they all start with R. This is a good Baptist thing. Jesus didn't think of this. I'm not saying I'm better, but I'm just saying... A kingdom has a ruler, rules, and resources. A ruler, rules, and resources. And of course, the ruler in this kingdom is Jesus. He is the most selfless, loving ruler you could imagine. And the idea or the word ruler can sometimes have negative connotations to it, especially in our Australian culture, because we don't like to be told what to do. We don't like the idea of having a ruler, someone who's in charge, someone who's bossing us around. Because they might tell us to do something that we don't want to do. They might tell us to clean our act up or stop doing something or start doing something. But the great thing about this kingdom's ruler is that his ruling is motivated completely by love completely by love. There is no selfishness in his ruling. In all our earthly rules, even the greatest rules that we've known about or experienced in our own life are subject to this selfishness, this selfish desire that is hard to shake off. But Jesus doesn't have any of that selfishness in him. Instead, he has complete love and is demonstrated by the fact that he came to earth and he died on a cross for us. He didn't have to do that. He was complete within himself. 
So the great thing about this kingdom's ruler is that his ruling is motivated completely by love. He is a good ruler. This is a kingdom that you want to be a part of. This is a kingdom that you want to invest into just because of the ruler. But then there's also the rules. And again, we don't jump at rules. No one likes the word rules. No one is looking for more rules. I mean, we've, over the last two years, we've learned what it is to live with rules and ever-changing rules and guessing at what the rules mean and why they're here and are we, are we obeying the rules? Is this the right rule? Should we be, what sort of mask should we wear? Should we wear them over our nose or under our chin? Or Do we check in? Do we not check in? Do we, how many people can I have at my house? How many people in this room? Are we, what is the rule? And we don't always like the rules. But rules provide security. And rules can be positive, not just negative. They're not just... Don't think of rules just in what you can't do. Think of rules in, what, in terms of uh, what governs your life or what governs the kingdom, what sort of rules it goes by. Like one of the rules of earth is gravity. It governs the way we live. You can't get away from gravity. You can try, but you can't. And so this rule, the idea of gravity, keeps everything on the ground. Literally, it keeps everything on the ground. And so rules are good things as well. And, the, and the, one of the great rules of the kingdom of heaven is God's grace and his love towards you. This is a rule just like gravity is a rule. God's salvation bought with Jesus' sacrifice, it cannot be revoked. It can never be taken away. It's something that is secure. It is something that is safe. It's always there. No matter what you do, you can't outjump God's salvation. You can't float away from it. It cements you like gravity does. This is the rule of the kingdom. This is the treasure that this man found. And then there's the resources of the kingdom. There is life, joy, peace, everything you need, not just for your survival, but also for your prosperity, for your life. This kingdom is like no other. And this is the treasure the man found or the pearl that the man searched for and he found. And it's not a thing, it's a place. It's not a thing, it's a place. It's a refuge. A refuge from the powers of darkness, from the attacks of the enemy. In Colossians 1 verse 13 it says, He has rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the Son He loves. So this kingdom is a place of refuge, a place of safety, A kingdom is best when it is a place of refuge and safety and the kingdom of God is just that, the ultimate refuge, the ultimate safe haven. It's not to say that you won't face trial, you won't face temptation, but rather that at the end you'll be victorious and enjoy a full life. And the things that characterise the kingdom, the ruler, the rules and the resources are secure and sure. This kingdom is as safe as it gets. There is refuge in the ruler, there is refuge in the rules and there is refuge in the resources. It's a refuge and it's a domain. Not only is it a refuge in the sense of its safety, but it's a domain in the sense of what it has to offer. In Romans 14 verse 17 it says, The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but it's righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness through faith in Jesus, peace from God in the midst of the storms of life and joy, deep joy that is unending. 
and this kingdom is unshakable and eternal. It cannot and will not ever be destroyed. No attack could ever overcome it. In Daniel 2 verse 44, it says, In the days of those kings, the God of the heavens will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. And this kingdom will not be left to another people. It will crush all these kingdoms and bring them to an end. And it will self and will itself endure forever. It is a sure thing and it is sure forever. This is the great treasure to stumble upon. This is the great pearl to search out. And when you discover and when you come across this treasure, it is worth giving everything else up for to follow after. What you treasure most, you follow most. And so the challenge for today and the challenge for maybe for this year is to ask yourself this, what do you treasure most? What do you really treasure most? What does your life follow after the most? What are you willing to give up things for? What do you give up things for? What do you follow most? And the truth is, we might not always treasure the kingdom like we should. I don't always treasure the kingdom like I should. We find other things, people, experiences, and we treasure them and we follow them. We sacrifice for those things. Sort of like the chocolate on the shelf. We just see it and we think, I'm just going to sacrifice a little bit for that. And I'll still, I'm still going for the main thing, but I'm just going to indulge myself in this moment. At the beginning of another year, it's always a great chance to evaluate our following and our treasuring. If we aren't following Jesus like we ultimately want to be or should be, then I want you to think about this. What is it that you need to sell, for want of a better term? What is it you need to give up? What is it that you need to go away and get rid of in order to follow most? What is it that is a part of the everything that you need to give up for the joy of following? Your treasure determines your following and your sacrifice. But you know, sometimes even when you don't treasure something as greatly as you should, when you begin to give up things for it, when you begin to sacrifice towards something, it grows the value in your own heart. It grows the way you treasure it. I don't know if you've ever had that experience before where you've maybe paid a lot of money for something, a, a car or something that you own. Or, and, and initially, if, before you owned it, you didn't really treasure it very much. But because you sacrificed something towards it, now it's worth more to you than maybe it was previously because of the cost it came to you. And when we give up things to follow Jesus, it, it, it builds the value in our own hearts. It builds Jesus' value in our own hearts. And so one of the things that we can do is just begin to say no to things for the greater thing. Begin to get rid of things and follow Jesus greater. What do you need to give up? And then what do you need to follow more? Maybe you're not like Paul who had a, a, a blinding experience and stumbled upon the treasure of Jesus. Maybe you're more like the eunuch and you're on a quest of discovering the greatness of the kingdom, the greatness of Jesus. 
And I think there's just a lesson in the way the eunuch discovered the treasure and followed after it. It's just in opening God's word. And so maybe the, the way that you follow more this year is just by opening God's word more, discovering the treasure more, searching after it more, being like that man searching for great pearls and finding the priceless one in the word of God. And so just for the last two or three minutes, I'm going to ask maybe just to close your eyes. And just to pray to God and and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you what it is. What's one thing at the start of this year that you need to leave behind? Maybe it's an attitude, maybe it's an experience, a habit. It could be anything. I believe the Holy Spirit will lead you to, to what it is that you need to leave behind. What is the thing that you need to leave behind? And then in what way can you follow towards Jesus? It's not just about selling everything, but it's about buying the field. Replace the, the thing that you leave behind with something of, of more value. And of course, at the beginning of a year, this is something that we might be thinking about doing anyway. And maybe you've got your phone with you or you're taking notes. Maybe you're at home and you're taking notes. I'd encourage you to write this down. What am I going to leave behind? You can whip your phone out now if you need to, if you want to write this down. What is it that God's asking me to leave behind? And what is He asking me to follow after? What is it that I need to leave behind? What is it I need to follow after? Lord Jesus, I pray that as we begin this year, God, that we might be like the man who finds the treasure or the man that finds the priceless pearl. And God, we might say no to everything else and follow after it. God, that you would help us to experience the the beauty, the joy, the worth of the kingdom of heaven like never before. And God, we pray that as we do that, it might be contagious. People might see the things that we're saying no to and think, why would they say no to that? It's just a field. It's just a pearl. But when they discover it from themselves, God, they would do the same thing. God, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your kingdom, for the ruler, the rules and the resources. And God, how they are all for us. They are motivated by love and for our greatest good. And they are eternal, unshakable. And God, we pray this morning and for this year that we might chase after you the most. We might treasure you the most. God, would you help us to do that? We love you and we thank you for your word. We thank you for the life-changing truths that are in it. Help us to discover them more and more this year. We pray this in Jesus' name, for his glory. Amen. Amen. Well, I encourage you to take those things to leave behind and run towards and, and maybe pray over them over the next week, the next seven days. Don't just leave them here this morning and think, that was a great idea, Brad. But take them with you. Make practical steps towards them.
That's it for this morning. I pray you have a great week and um, join us next Sunday. As Lauren said, we're having a baptism service in two weeks' time, so if that's something you want to do, uh, let one of us know. That would be a a great thing to to begin the year doing. Um, But if not, have a great week and we'll see you next Sunday.